when it is attributed, uh, this quote originated with a Catholic monk that very few people have heard of. As a matter of fact, if I called his name, probably just two or three of you would, would have heard of his name, but it's never attributed. We, we use this phrase in a proverbial manner, uh, along the lines of an apple a day keeps the doctor away, like we don't attribute that to somebody, we don't, we don't know where that came from. This, this particular phrase has become that way, and most of you have heard it in some form, in some version, you've heard this particular uh, proverb or this particular quote. It goes like this. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find, once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And most of you have heard that idea, at least, if not that exact quote, is that people spend lots of energy and emotion and time and focus trying to achieve goals. And many times what happens is when they get close to that goal or they achieve that goal, they realize it's not nearly as satisfying as they thought it was going to be. It's not nearly as fulfilling. Or perhaps the, the fulfillment doesn't last as long as they thought it was going to. They thought this was going to change their lives. Everything would be different at this point. And it doesn't happen. Or, or they get to the top and they realize that because they spent so much time and energy trying to get to this goal, there were a lot of other things in their life that they didn't give attention to, that they didn't focus on, and those other things had suffered. And, and they begin to wonder, well, maybe it wasn't worth that. Maybe it wasn't worth all the other things and all the other relationships that I sacrificed in order to get here. Climb the ladder, realize it didn't get them where they thought it was going to get them. It's not a problem of clarity, usually. <clears throat> Often people are really clear about what their goal is. Hey, clarity is a good thing. Having clarity on life and goals is a great thing. It's rarely a problem of clarity because people usually know clearly, this is what I want. I'm going to go after this. It's not a problem of focus. People are very focused, sometimes uh, to the degree of not focusing on other things perhaps they should have. It's not an issue of effort, because there are people trying really, really hard to get to certain places and accomplish certain goals, and it's not clarity, and it's not focus, and it's not effort, all of which are really good things. The problem is the goal itself. The problem is the wall itself. The problem is that place that I'm trying to get to is the wrong place. I'm misguided at what I'm actually trying to accomplish or what I'm actually trying to get to. And this, to me, is one of the scariest things about life, especially life as an adult, um, especially as life as an adult in the second half of your life. Like, like if you're, you're at the beginning, and this is not to be dismissive of those of you who are at the beginning. Uh, if you're in college, high school, you know, the, you're, you're thinking, well, you know, I could always do something different. I've got a lot of time to figure this out. That's how you always process a lot of this message problem. I've got a lot of time to figure that out. I can always change my major. I can always uh, transfer to another school. I can always do something else. But the more the years pass as an adult, the more you begin to realize, I have a little time left. I don't want to waste any of it. 
I don't want to burn it on things that just don't matter. As I said, especially if you're in the second half of life, much has been written about halftime, like that period of our life where we kind of reassess our priorities and our direction and maybe we approach life differently in the second half. I don't know what the formula is for figuring out when the second half starts. Like it's probably we all maybe have a different idea of what that number is for us. You just know when you get there, right? You know if you're honest, like yeah, I, I'm me. I, I've edged over. I I'm there. Bare like last week, I got into that second half of my life. Maybe uh, I, I'm there. I realize, you know. I probably don't have as much time ahead of me as I have behind me. And if you're anywhere near that, this is a scary idea. That I could use up my life, my time on things that just don't matter. My priorities could be out of whack. And and if I prioritize the wrong thing, by definition, that means I haven't prioritized the right thing. So there's a lot of things that I haven't been giving focus to that I needed to, and I've been wasting time. Now, part of the problem with this is nothing in life advertises itself as a waste of time. You notice that? Next time you go to the mall, look for the advertisement that says, buy me, I will waste your life. <laughs> no, there's no commercial like that. There's no commercial that says money back guarantee if this doesn't screw up all your priorities. There's not a buy one, get one free. Waste your life and somebody else's life too. There's no advertising campaign. Nothing in life presents itself as a waste of time. You've never interviewed for a job. And ever said, hey, this job's going to totally wreck your family and mess up all your priorities. Ever. That's never in a job description, right? It's not proficient in Excel, willing to waste their life. You don't apply for that job. And people are the same way. No one ever emails you and says, hey, I'd like to meet for about two hours, going to totally waste your time. (laughs) Nobody does that. You don't, you don't get a message from the boss on Monday. Look, two-hour staff meeting on t- Tuesday, it's going to be a total waste of time. Now, often it is a total waste of time. But nobody says that. Nobody advertises that up front. No, everything looks like a great opportunity. Everything is presented as, why, why wouldn't you do this? Like, well, this is a great opportunity. Yeah, you should take the promotion. Yeah, you should change jobs. Yeah, you should do this. Yeah, you should get you one of these. Buy two of those. We're never told this is going to waste your life. Now, life would be much easier if, it, if we got that uh, ahead of time, right? Like if it's in the fine print or something. And be careful. This will make you waste a lot of time that you should be spending with your family. It'd be great if just somewhere in the fine print, we're, we were given a heads up that this is a real possibility. Nothing advertises itself as a waste of time. Jesus tells a story about this. I've referred to it a time or two, I think. I want to read it from Jesus' words. This is Luke chapter 12. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be married. But God said to him, you fool. 
this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have. Pre- then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This little story that Jesus says, look, you're going to think you're living for the right thing. You're going to think life's going great sometimes, and you're going to totally miss the mark. You're going to totally be living for the wrong things. Now, the problems with that are, obviously, we can pursue the wrong things. We can go after, when I mean pursue, I mean we can give time and energy and emotion. We can sacrifice other things for the wrong thing and and not know it. Stephen Covey kind of added to this ladder metaphor. He wrote, if the ladder's not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. And that's the problem. When I'm moving in the wrong direction, the more I pursue it, the closer I get to the wrong thing. And the farther, I wa- farther away I get from the right things. If you're pursuing the wrong thing, you won't end up in the right place. If you're pursuing the wrong things, the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. You're not going to just magically get to the right place if you're building your life and your energy and your time and your resources around the wrong things. Now, here's another thing that's true about the ladders of our lives. Good things pursued in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons are ultimately unfulfilling. Even if it's a good thing, or let's say it this way, even if it's not a bad thing, maybe it's a justifiable thing, but if you're pursuing them out of the wrong motivations, out of the wrong reasons, that's not going to be very satisfying either. For example, if you're the motivation, If your recognition and your applause and your own personal advancement is is the sole motivation for why you're pursuing anything, that satisfaction is not going to last very long. And here's why. Applause and recognition are both insatiable appetites in the human soul. The desire to be applauded, the desire to be recognized for achievement can never be satisfied in the human soul, because as soon as we get that, as soon as we get recognition, it's not long before we're wondering how we can get it again, how we can get more, how can we do something else to get recognized. Nothing wrong in and of itself with recognition. The problem is when I'm pursuing something, even something good, for my own applause, for my own recognition. Here's the other thing, even about good things. No one person was created to do every good thing. No one person was created to do every good thing. For some of us, the problem is not the ladder of our life is leaning against the wrong wall. The problem is we have 50 ladders and 50 walls. And many or most or all of those walls are good things. We're just not making any progress on any of them because we're trying to do all of them. The reality is... We can't make a meaningful difference in anything if we're trying to make a meaningful difference in everything. Some of us, we respond to every need and every sad story and every opportunity. And so we're constantly putting up new ladders in different places. And as a result, we're, we're not making any meaningful difference. I'm not saying we should be callous. I'm certainly not saying we should be lazy or cavalier about the needs of the world. What I'm I'm saying is we can't accomplish 
everything, no matter how much we might want to try. I retweeted Craig Rochelle's comment uh, earlier in the week. Uh, He's a pastor out in Oklahoma. He, He writes, stop trying to do it all. Simply be faithful to do what is most important in this season in life. And in every season, you and I have got to ask that. What is the most important thing I need to be doing right now? And that may change and that may shift and things may get added to that and things may get taken away. I can't do everything right now in this season of my life. What is the most important things that I could be doing? Now, the best book, in my opinion, in the Bible to have this discussion out of is the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, written, written by a guy who's not only in the second half of his life, his life is almost over. Like He's almost at the end of his life, and he's looking back, and he's recording his thoughts for his, for his adult children so that they won't make the same mistakes that he makes because what he sees in his own life is that he had ladders against all the wrong walls all throughout his life, and he doesn't want his kids to make that same mistake. That's probably Solomon who wrote this book, and he's writing it for his kids as a warning. Here's how he begins the book, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. We probably should define some words at this point, right? Meaningless. Some translations say vanity. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What did he mean? He meant unsatisfying. Not not weighty. Not sufficient. Not fulfilling. Meaningless. It's not going to give you the fulfillment that you think that it's going to. It's the idea of fog or smoke. Matter of fact, some really contemporary translations use that language. Smoke, smoke. Everything's smoke. Like, everything's going to go away. And you can spend your whole life trying to grab fog, and you're never going to grab it. It's there in the morning, and then it's gone. No matter how big your hands are, no matter how much you try to hold on to it when you open your fist, there's nothing there. That's what he's saying. He's saying that there are things in this world that you're trying to grab a hold of, and you're never going to have any satisfaction. And then he uses the word everything. Everything is like that. Well, he doesn't doesn't mean everything. That's a bit of an exaggeration because at the end of the book, he's going to tell us something that is meaningful and fulfilling. But I think what he's trying to say is everything that's temporary in this life is not worth building your whole life around. Everything that's passing away It's not going to stay around. That's the way this life is. This life is always changing. You can't grab it. From there, he writes, I'm going to read kind of a lengthy passage. Just stay with me. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the stream comes from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. 
The eye never has enough of seeing, or the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. And admittedly, this is not a real inspiring way to start a book. You're tempted to think Prozac, like you need something, dude, to pull you out of this. A little Prozac, you'd be feeling better. I mean, he starts from a pretty negative, critical place. He sounds a little bit jaded. But he's using some exaggeration. It's like when you talk to your kids. Don't you exaggerate when you talk to your kids? Like when you're trying to get their attention. Just be honest. They're not here. They're back in journey kids, so they won't know this. But when you talk to your kids, like you make things worse than they could be. You go to the worst possible example, uh, worst possible consequences. That's Solomon. Like he's a dad. Like he's trying to get his kids' attention. So he's exaggerating. He's making things out really, really badly. But he has a point. But part of his point is that life has this monotonous nature to it. Like it's, it's, it's kind of the same. Right? He says, um, what's been will be again. Like the sun rises and sets and then it rises again. And he's using poetic, this is a science lesson, he's using poetic language, obviously. The, the water flows to the stream, but the stream like never fills up. It just kind of does it all again, and it evaporates, and it rains, and it's, it's like this, it's this monotonous nature of life. And, and as adults especially, you understand that. Right? Things don't ever get finished, do they? I mean, as adults, you realize things don't ever get finished. Is laundry ever finished? No. Is the dishwasher? Are you ever done with dishes? No. Do you ever finish paying bills? It's like it's just this glorious day. Bills never come to your mailbox anymore. Ever. You never get that email that the power bills do or the credit card bills do. Like they all stop. They all, no. Every month. They just keep <laughs> You want that address, wherever that is. No, no, they just keep coming. They just keep coming. Is parenting ever done? Like you just finished? No. That's what he's saying. He's saying this is the way life is. It has this sort of monotonous nature. You finish it, and then you have to do it again. And you, fin- you think you're finished, but you do it again. And then you, 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 you make up the bed, and then you sleep in it, and then two weeks later you make it up again, right? right? I don't, how... <laughs> However things work at your house, I don't know. It's, it's like it's always something else that has to be done. It's, it's this monotonous. And not only monotonous, but kind of related to that, it's repetitious. Like you see the same things again and again. Sun's up, sun down, sun up. It's the same thing again and again. And again, those of us who lived a couple of years, it just gets faster and faster, doesn't it? We are five and a half weeks from Thanksgiving. Ten weeks from today is Christmas, right? Like next week, we're in the single digits, right? Ten, ten Sundays from today is Christmas morning. And, and that's right. All of you are going like, oh, wasn't Christmas like two months ago? Like, what? <laughs> like I just finished paying off last Christmas. What? I, um, vacations, as wonderful as they are. You get to, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, Wow, we just did this. 
we all we just and now we're planning another one and then what and then we're going to do another one birthdays and anniversaries and fall and winter and spring and summer and we're back to school and then it's fall break and thanksgiving and it's christmas and it's new year and then whoa it's spring again now it's easter and now it's the end of school and now summer's here and it's just this repetitive cycle i have a friend one of her favorite hashtags is life on repeat because she'll get those memory things will pop up on her timeline and she'll repost them and realize, hey, I'm doing the same thing I was doing last year. And she's a teacher. Those of you who are teachers know the calendar just kind of recycles itself. Hey, I'm doing the same unit. I'm, we're doing the same uh, concert. We're going to the same show. It's, it, life does tend to do this. Now, here's the challenge for that. If we aren't careful, when it comes to this prioritizing, living for the things that really matter, if we aren't careful, we allow the calendar just to keep flipping. Month, month, year, year, without ever asking the hard questions of, am I making the most of the time that I have? Yeah, it was just last Christmas. What, what have I invested my life in since last Christmas? Birth, another birthday. What, where have I changed? What, what's, what's eternally, significantly different about me since last birthday? Because life has this monotonous, repetitive nature, it's easy just to keep turning the calendar from one thing to the next without ever asking, where's the ladder leaning? What am I living for? What's happening eternally in my life? The other problem is, <clears throat> with this continual turning of the calendar, there's always stuff to do, right? It's not like if you don't assess your life, then there's nothing to do. There's always something to do. There's always a deadline. There's always an agenda. There's always something that has to... There's always the urgent because life continues this monotonous, repetitious. Time keeps marching on, sun up and sun down, Rain falls, goes to the stream, goes back up. It's over and over, and there's always something to do. And we can get swept into this, just living day after day. It's that age-old question, and I don't know who said this one either, but the question of am I designing my life or am I allowing someone to design it for me? Am I designing my life or am I allowing circumstances to design where I'm, am I just turning the calendar? And we're doing this, and we have this obligation. We have to get the kids here. Now, Solomon, once he gets past that beginning, he begins to describe all the things that he tried in his life. He's just real honest. He says, look, I tried to find fulfillment into the metal. I, 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 for example, I pursued pleasure, like full tilt, pedal to the metal. I, 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 was, I went all out for pleasure, and I got to the top of the ladder, and I realized it left me empty. It wasn't fulfilling, ultimately. He says, I tried goals and projects, like usefulness and uh, trying to be creative and, and doing things that I could say, hey, look, I did that. I created that. Look, that's mine right there. And he said, I, I don't know. It didn't last very long. It wasn't very fulfilling to me. He, he, he says at one point, I pursued wealth, just tried to get as much money as I could, much resources, big house. He says, I tried to pursue titles, recognition. I want people to know my name. None of it did anything inside of me. 
And, and what it did, it didn't last very long. He says at another point, I pursued knowledge. I just tried to get really, really smart. And about all of these things, he says, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They can all be good things. Pleasure's a good thing. Wealth is fine. Uh, recognition, that all of those sort of things. Titles, uh, knowledge, it's all good things. It's just, it's not the good thing I needed to be pursuing. So he gets to the end of this book. And again, he's like parents. It takes him 12 chapters to say something he could have said in two sentences, right? It's because he's given examples, and you know when I was your age, and then this. And he's just like all of us parents who so just repeats and repeats and gives different examples and makes things awful and terrible. And he could have said this in about 30 seconds, but here it is, 30 seconds, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Everything I've seen, I'm old, I'm about to die, I'm telling you, I've tried it all. And what I've come back to is that the thing that satisfies my heart is God. Is being in relationship with God. Is trusting that even the things I don't understand, even the things I don't like, trusting that God is ultimately in control and building my life around Him, that is what ultimately has given me satisfaction. So how do we, how do we work that into our lives? Here's a couple of questions to ask. <clears throat> One is simply to ask, what lasts forever? What am I doing that's really going to last forever. Not my lifetime, not even a generation or two. What's going to last forever? What am I investing in that is forever and ever and ever? And best I can tell, there are three things that we know for sure are going to last forever. God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, last forever, always existed, always will exist. He's going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. God's Word Grass is going to wither, flowers are going to pass away, not His Word. His Word's going to endure forever and ever and ever and ever. And people are going to exist forever and ever and ever and ever. We know that God, His Word, and people are going to last forever and ever. And so you and I have to constantly ask as we're climbing ladders and and orienting our life, is what I'm doing going to last forever? Is it going to have any impact on forever and ever and ever because you're never going to get to the top of that particular ladder and feel like you wasted time when you're orienting your life around god his word and people another question it's kind of the opposite question really but let me explain what will not come around again What is in my life right now that's not going to come around again in the exact same way? Um, I, I know that his introduction was this monotonous, repetitious life. But within that, there are some things that don't come around in the exact same way. And, And I would suggest that most of those have to do with people. Most of those are people that I could encourage, love, pray for, be in their lives, influence, and I'm not going to get that chance again. 
I'm not going to have that opportunity in the same way again. We, we say things like, hey, we need to get together. Love to talk sometime. Let's hang out. I'm praying for you. Wish we could be together. Seasons change. And if you have the opportunity, relationally, take it. Because those opportunities don't always come back. I mentioned that you're never done with parenting. And yet, parenting changes from season to season, doesn't it? The particular influence, the particular type of influence, the particular way you can influence your kids changes from season to season and age to age and time to time. And if we use the season of greatest influence ahead of influencing our kids other things or prioritize other things ahead of influencing our kids, that's not coming back again. That opportunity is not circling back. You could still have a good relationship. You can mend relationships. All of that is possible. But once that season, the season of greatest influence in your child's life is gone, it doesn't come back in exactly the same way. Another thought for parents. When it comes to prioritizing what's most important, the eternal, climbing ladders and figuring out that they're leaning against the wrong walls. We have to remember as moms and dads, our kids are watching how we do this. Our kids are learning what's important to us in the way that they watch us. As a matter of fact, some of our kids probably know what's important to their parents better than their parents know because the kids see it. Mom and dad may be excusing it and not wanting to admit it. The kids know what's most important to us. They're watching. They're figuring out how to prioritize their own lives by watching the way we prioritize our lives. Another concern, I'm not suggesting we all do this necessarily as parents, but I think there is the potential, mom and dad, not only of us modeling the wrong things for our kids, but of us forming ladders for our kids and leaning them against the wrong walls and telling our kids to climb. I think there's a danger as parents, especially when we begin to prioritize everything above God and opportunities to worship and opportunities to grow spiritually. And what we're saying to our kids is, all right, I want you to climb this ladder against this Wall. I think we have to constantly evaluate in our parenting, in our own lives, what am I encouraging my kids towards? What's the wall that I'm most encouraging my kids to climb? And are they going to get to the top of it one day and look at me and go, this didn't help. This wasn't satisfying. This wasn't fulfilling. One last thing. For all of us, as we're, as we're trying to find the right walls, no one gets this right 100% of the time. Can we just be honest? None of us. None of us get this right 100% of the time. All of us, at times, start up the wrong ladder and the wrong wall. And maybe we get a few rungs in and we go, ooh, 
up. We've all need to change this. Maybe we get halfway up. Maybe we get all the way to the top. We've all been there. We've all been pursuing and focused and, and not paying attention to other things. And we get to a place where we go, this is not where I need to be. None of us get this right 100% of the time. The important thing is throughout the seasons of our life to keep asking, what am I living my life for? What am I going after that's going to last forever? Where am I missing opportunities because I'm so focused on this thing over here that even if I get that, is not going to be satisfying long term? Solomon said it. All has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. In the New Testament, Jesus would say it this way. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Organize your life around the eternal. Point your life in the direction of the eternal. And yeah, there's a lot of other things you can enjoy. There are a lot of other things you can experience. Just don't build your life around those other things. Let's pray. God, we ask you to give us wisdom, discernment, and the courage to step back and take a look at our own lives. It's scary to think that we could spend years and years of our lives, maybe our whole life, pursuing things that don't matter, prioritizing things that don't matter. Going after things that even if we get them are going to leave us unfulfilled and unsatisfied when eternal things are all around us. You, your word, people, relationships. If Give us the courage if we're halfway up one of those ladders to come back down and make some changes. To reorient so that we would indeed seek first your kingdom. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.